1: Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, um, I've got 30 minutes. So if you have your Bibles, would you join me at Matthew chapter 7? Matthew chapter 7. Turn me down just a hair, my friend. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Let's begin reading with verse 21. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Once again, we're so glad you're here today. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 reads like this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now that's a tough passage right there because there's a lot of people nowadays that unfortunately have been taught in churches, all you have to do is name the name of Jesus, say the name Jesus and you're, you're going to make it. That's not what Jesus says. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done him many wonders in your name, and I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's a tough passage right there. I don't have all the answers to that, and since I don't, uh, I'm not going to talk about it. Verse 24. You deal with it. You deal with it. Therefore, whoever, verse 24, "Therefore, Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Over the years I've read these verses multiple times and I'm sure if you've been in church very long you've heard these verses before as well. How many of you have heard this passage before? All right. But recently, this passage has taken on new meaning to me. So this morning, if you don't mind, I would like to share with you some things the Lord has been revealing to me and Amanda about this passage of Scripture for our life and for our church family. Do you know there's hardly a day that goes by? There's hardly a day that goes by in which I do not receive a report From a personal family member, a church family member, a friend, an acquaintance, a neighbor who is incurring or in the middle of struggle. There's hardly a day that goes by, I mean it, and it seems like here recently it's just intensified, that people are going through tough things, difficulties, In fact, brokenness, unexpected crises, accidents, crippling medical diagnosis, traumatic difficulties, and family hardships are everywhere. They're everywhere. I guarantee you, a majority of people in this room right now are going through something really tough. And if you're not going through something really tough, I guarantee you, you know somebody who is going through a very difficult season in their life right now. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. Jesus told us that there would be some tough days. I hear Christians say all the time, well, I can't believe I'm having to go through this. I'm a Christian. Jesus never said that being a Christian would exempt you from tough days. In fact, turn with me real quickly to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Look over at John chapter 16, verse number 33. Notice what Jesus says here. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this. Jesus is talking. He says, these things I have spoken to you. All right? What things, Jesus? What have you told us? That in me you will have peace. Peace. In Jesus you will have peace. In the world you will have what? Everybody say tribulation. Tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now the word tribulation in the original text literally means distress. Jesus said, now I've spoken some things to you. This is what he says. I've spoken some things to you. I'm just going to remind you that in the world, you're going to have some distress. And that word distress comes from the word that means oppressing, or to bring pressure. So the word tribulation means anything that brings pressure to our life, that causes distress in our life, that burdens our spirit, that overloads us with care or concern or trouble, That's what the word means. And Jesus literally said, in this world, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you're going to have some things come against you that's going to press you, that's going to squeeze you, that's going to bring distress in your life. I like what the New Living Translation, he even says it more emphatic. Look what the New Living Translation says. I have told you all this so that you may have peace In me, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So Jesus said, listen to what he says. He says, you're going to have some storms to come your way. We're going to have storms come our way. And over the years, I've been amazed uh, because I hear Christians say, I just don't understand why this happened to me, I'm a Christian. I don't understand why this happened to me because I'm a Christian. Listen, if you came to Christ because somebody convinced you, if you come to Christ, you'll never have another problem, they misinformed you. doesn't work that way. I've heard Christians say, I thought these things didn't happen to Christians. Well, they do happen to Christians. I've heard Christians say, where is God now? What is the use in serving Him if we have to go through this just like the world goes through this? What's the use in serving Him? Well, let me tell you why we serve Him. Because when the world goes through this stuff, it destroys their life. When we go through it in Christ, we end up standing and the storm passes by. That's the reason we serve Listen, being a Christian and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior does not exempt us from the storms of life. Go back to Matthew chapter 7. Go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Notice what it says. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, And does them. This is talking about a person who is obedient to do the word of God. I will liken him to a wise man which built his house on the rock. And the rain descended. No, the rain still come. The floods came. The rains and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on the house. Notice Jesus never said, listen, if you go to church and do my words, the storm will never come. He didn't say that. He said, if you go to church and do my word, the storms are going to come, but you're going to stand when the storm's over with. He said, now if you go to church and don't do my word, and just a hearer and not a doer, he said, the storm, storm's going to take you out. But what you, need, you and I must realize is the storm is coming either way. Life's difficulties, disappointments, betrayals, tragedies, and unexpected hardships. Come to all of us. They come to all of us. What do you mean? What do you mean, Pastor? Well, an unforeseen layoff from work. You weren't expecting it, but they cut back. Nowadays, they call it right-sizing. How many have ever been right-sized? It's right for the company. It's never right for you. Have you ever noticed that? One of our children makes a poor decision and lands in legal trouble. I've experienced that. Or I should say, my wife makes a poor decision, lands in legal trouble. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) A spouse is diagnosed with a terminal disease. Some of you have experienced that news. The stock market takes a nosedive. And our retirement and our investments that we had been saving for and believing and struggling to get that money in the bank and putting it back for a our retirement suddenly it's adversely affected here's one someone gets mad at you and makes it their life's mission to make your life miserable anybody ever had that happen in their life crazy stuff like electrical fire causes damage to your house and you take a financial blow did y'all just see on the news where that lady a rat got in her brand new Dodge Durango and totaled her car a rat got in her car and chewed everything up in the wiring and told her car, a rat. Now, how would, who would ever expect that? That's a devil right there, I guarantee you. That's the devil. Your husband or your wife walks in one day and says, I want out of this marriage. I don't love you anymore. You don't make me happy anymore. Or you receive the call to come to the hospital because one of your... Family members has been in a bad accident. You see, a multitude of things can happen to create extreme difficulties in our life. A multitude of things. And whatever it might be that presses you, that brings distress to your life, whatever it might be, the purpose of that storm is to discourage you. The purpose of it is to steal your peace. And to rob us of our dreams and our visions. And let me tell you, sometimes these storms can add up on one another. Have, have you ever heard someone say, boy, when it rains, it pours? What else can happen to me? Had a pastor call me just Thursday of this week. He said, Pastor Eddie, pray for me. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I said, what's wrong? He said, well, I just got sued for 10 million dollars. I said, he said, I walked in, and I thought, and I was, I'd been served papers. It's sitting on my desk. And he said, the thing that then, what else can happen to me? What else? Sometimes these storms of life, they just multiply on one another. They just continue. They continue. And it happens to all of us. So this morning, I want to I share some things that the Lord's been dealing with, with me about cuz Amanda and I've gone through storms over the last year. And let me share some things with you that the Lord has taught us. Number 1. Wake up and realize that life storms are looking to explode on you. You are not exempt just because you're a nice person. Life storms are looking to explode On you. You just need to realize that. And when they come, it doesn't set you back and say, Oh my God, what am I going to do? You just realize, I live in a fallen world. There's a devil out there. And he's looking to take me and my family out to steal our peace, to rob us of our joy, and to cause our dream and our vision for life in fulfillment To be thwarted. That's what Satan wants to do. And this is a storm and an effort of his to keep all of those things from happening. So wake up and realize that life's storms are looking to explode on you. The Bible tells us they are. In fact, look with me at Psalm chapter 34 verse 19. Psalm chapter 34 verse 19. The New King James says it this way. It says, many... Everybody say many... Many are the afflictions. That word afflictions there literally means troubles, difficulties, hardships. Many are the difficulties, troubles, hardships, afflictions of the who righteous. The word righteous means those in right standing with God. Well, I thought if I accepted Jesus, I wouldn't go through anything. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says many are the troubles, difficulties, hardships, afflictions of those in right standing with God. And if it stopped right there, we'd say, oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. (laughs) Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd Have no luck at all. Y'all watch T-Haw too, huh? (laughs) Gloom, despair, and agony on me. But it doesn't stop right there. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Hallelujah. But we still go through it. I like what the New Living Translation says. It says it like this. The righteous person faces many troubles. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. (laughs) Glory to God. And then the Bible says in Psalm 23, you know this one, Psalm chapter 23. Everybody knows if you've been in church very long, Psalm chapter 23, it's one of the favorite chapters. But notice in the middle of this wonderful chapter of hope and encouragement, he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice he didn't say you go around the valley of the shadow of death. You walk through it. He said, but I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I never will forget back in 1996, we six, we'd built that big sanctuary in Little Allgood, Tennessee, the, ch- the town was about 2,000 and we built a sanctuary that would hold 1,000 right downtown. Biggest thing in town. Biggest sanctuary in the whole county. And we built it right downtown. And the city neighbors came against us. They were mad. They were hot. They wrote letters to the editor in the paper accusing me of things that were not true. They, they s- sabotaged our, our workplace. They sabotaged the building. Uh, they, they did all kind of crazy things because they, they just were mad that we built this building. And uh, we threatened. I was threatened. And I remember telling the Lord, I was wanting to get out. And I said, Lord, I, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. My wife says, I'm a great guy. I haven't heard any of these people. I'm serving you. I'm preaching the gospel. Why in the world are these people coming against me? It was really the first time in my life that I'd encountered Enemies, enemies. Not always, you know. Growing up, you always have somebody you have to deal with—some bully, some some kid steals your M M&M and M lunch. You got to take care of business. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, real enemies, where people met to try to do me harm and to stop what God was doing or what my work and ministry was doing. I'd never encountered that before in my life. And it shook me. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I can't, why are you letting me go through this? Why are you letting me I'm I'm doing your work. Why are you letting me go through this? Notice what this scripture says. Verse 5. Psalm 23 verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Notice he didn't say, yeah, you're going to be able to eat this wonderful feast without any resistance around you. He said, you're going to have resistance in life. Anytime you're doing something for God, the devil is going to bring somebody around to try to thwart that. But the Lord prepares a feast, His blessings and His goodness. The faith walk is all about being able to enjoy God's goodness while your enemies look on. And it doesn't hinder you. Notice he didn't say the enemies overcame you. The enemies were just staring. They couldn't touch you. They couldn't, but just the thought of them there shakes a lot of us up. Just the thought of them being there shakes us up. But notice we have enemies. Here's another scripture. Look with me at Mark chapter 4, verse 16. Mark chapter 4, verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, talking about people who receive the word of God. Who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. This morning, you come to church, you enjoy the worship, the pastor teaches a message, you're sitting there and saying, ooh, that's good, that's good, that's good. Some of you are saying, ooh, that's good. Others are saying, I wish you'd hurry up, I wish you'd hurry up. But some of you say, ooh, that's good. And you receive it with gladness. Oh, the pastor was right on today. He really spoke. I'm glad so-and-so was here, they need to hear that. You know, that kind of thing. You receive it with gladness, but then notice and they have no root in themselves, verse 17. And so endure only for a time. Afterward, Now notice this. When tribulation or persecution arises for the Word's sake, immediately they stumble. Well, why am I going through this? I go to church on Sundays. I hear the Word. I love the pastor. I'm a part of our church. Notice that persecution and trouble, difficulties, hardships, afflictions, pressure, things that press us, things that bring distress... Sometimes they come because of the Word's sake. Satan doesn't want that Word of God that you hear today planted in your heart. And he'll bring situations and difficulties into our lives to discourage us and steal the Word out of us. He does that. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, sinking whom he may devour. You and I need to be constantly aware that there's a devil out there that doesn't like us. He's an enemy of our soul and he wants to create havoc in our life. But the Bible says be sober, wake up. And the Bible says be vigilant. The word vigilant means stay awake and be on guard. Stay awake and be on guard. Because the devil is out there trying to destroy us. So understand, first of all, that there is a storm always lurking, looking to explode on you and me. There's a storm of life. Now, we don't live in fear. In fact, we ought to live in faith. But there is a storm that's always looking to explode on us. So if they come, or when they come, it doesn't take us out. We, it, we don't get shocked by it. We say, well, that's, that's just life. We're going to get through this with the help of the Lord. Remember, in the world you'll have tribulation, but in me you'll have peace. Number two, since we know life's storms will come, preparation is a must. We call them storm shelters. Amanda and I have done a lot of ministry out in Oklahoma. and One time particularly that we'd been asked to come out there and pastor a a large church, church about 1,500. And they asked us to come out and pastor. I told them, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to come out and preach for you, but I'm going to be in the area preaching at another church. And if you want to c- come over and talk to me, we'll talk to you then. So they came over, their whole board of directors came over. And, and, uh, and then the next night on Monday night, that was Sunday night, on Monday night, they took us out to eat and they took us this beautiful church. they just built a million sanctuary. It seated about 1,500 in the sanctuary. Just a beautiful church. They were they they wasn't whining us. They were sweet tea and dining us uh, to come out there. It was very impressive. And they handed us these uh, for sale magazines. Say, hey, look at houses. If If you're ever interested, we'd love to talk to you more. We'd love to have you. Just check out some of these houses. And they told us what neighborhood. And as I was looking through that, every one of them in Oklahoma, this is Tulsa, Oklahoma, they had for sale, the house was for sale, and it included storm shelter. Now you go out, you stop down here at the, the gas station and you pick up for sale these for sale magazine. There's few, very few of them, at least, storm shelters. In fact, how many of you have a Storm a built-in storm shelter at your house. Raise your hand. Three: How many of you live in a house? Raise your hand. So the vast majority of us in Tennessee doesn't have storm shelters. But in Oklahoma, the vast majority have storm shelters. Do you know why they have storm shelters? Because they know a storm is coming. It's not if it comes. It's when it comes. So understand something. If we know a storm is coming to our life, we need to get prepared. We need to go ahead and get prepared. When life storms come our way, and they are coming, the key to survival is the foundation our life is built upon. That's the key to your survival. It doesn't make any difference how big your house is. It doesn't make any difference how beautiful your house is. It doesn't make any difference what the exterior looks like. The key to your house standing is its foundation. The key to our lives standing when the storms come is the foundation in which our life is built upon. It doesn't make any difference how pretty we are. It doesn't make any difference how expensive we are. It doesn't make any difference what our outside looks like. It doesn't make any difference of our career. It has to do with what is the foundation our life is built upon. Look with me at Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. Matthew sixteen thirteen. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do men say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now look at verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, what rock? The rock of revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not prevail against it or conquer it. What is the foundation rock that you and I spiritually need to be built upon? Not Zen. Not Buddhism. Not Islam. Not humanism. Jesus says the rock is this simple truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the way to Jesus Christ. And in our nation nowadays, 50 years ago that would have never been up for question. 50 years ago in the United States of America Christianity was prevalent. You don't even have to leave the Bible belt anymore to realize that Christianity and the value of Christianity is under attack in our nation today. And more and more our young people are being inundated with the thought that Christianity is not the only way to God. Whereas the Bible says that is the rock. You see, the reason Satan doesn't want our children to understand this rock is if he can create a flimsy foundation in their life, when he brings the storms of life, they will just be swept away. But if we understand the rock of our revelation, the rock of our foundation is that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus said, when tribulation comes, in me you'll have peace. See, it's important. We've got to get our foundation right. And here's something I've learned. Our spiritual foundation is only as strong as our knowledge of and obedience to the Word of God. Our spiritual foundation is only as strong as our knowledge of and obedience to the Word of God. What did Jesus say? He who builds his house upon the rock. He who hears my word and does them. He who hears my word and does them. He who hears my word and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. But then he goes on to say, He who hears my word and doesn't do them, it's like the person building his house upon sand. In other words, you can go to church and still the storm will sh- wipe you off the map if you're not obedient to do what the Word says to do. And here's something else we, Amanda and I have learned. Only a storm can reveal the type of foundation a house is built upon. Only a storm. You don't see the foundation. You don't buy a house for a foundation. You buy it for its beauty. You buy it for its amenities. You buy it for its exterior looks. You buy it for its size. You buy it for its flow. You buy it for its location. How many times have you ever bought a house and say, I want to see the foundation? We don't even think. But only a storm can reveal the foundation. Same way with our lives. Every one of us have come here this morning. We got cleaned up. We got cleaned up. We look pretty good. We look pretty good. Mike over here, old football player. He looks pretty good this morning. You'd never thought he's sweaty, old sweaty jock. That's what he was at one time in his life. I mean, look at him now. He's a good married to an attorney. I'm going to tell you what: sweaty jocks don't get attorneys. You got to clean up. You got to. But I'm going to tell you something. It don't make any difference what we look like on the outside. Only the storm will reveal what we're made of on the inside. Some of the prettiest people have been swept away by the most inconsequential trouble in life. They're they're so pretty, you'd look at them and say, boy, don't they have it made. Aren't their life wonderful? And then the least little storm comes and sweeps them away. Only the storm can reveal what kind of foundation you're made of. Here's something else. Starting to close. Storm preparation can only be effectively done in fair weather. Here's what you've got to understand. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. Storm preparation can only effectively be done in fair weather. If you wait till the storm comes to prepare, you've waited too long. If you wait till the storm comes to prepare, you've waited too long. There's hardly a week it goes by that somebody doesn't come. Oh, pastor, I'm in trouble. Oh, pastor, my family's in trouble. Oh, pastor, we've got this report from the doctor. And I'll... And I said, well, I had not seen you in four months. I ain't not seen you at church. Where you been? Well, we've been busy. We've been running here. We've been running there. We've been doing... And then storm hits. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying here this morning? Then the storm hits. The storm hits. See, storm preparation can only be done effectively in fair weather. So this is the challenge. The challenge of storm preparation is that you must prepare for it when you don't need it. You prepare for it when you don't need it. Because you know it's coming. You don't build a house in bad weather. Amanda and I, are we, we sold our house and we're downsizing and, and they're building a little condo for us right now. And I've learned now that when it's raining, I don't even go over there and check on it. It was raining not long ago, and I went over there. They was on a good roll, and I went over there and talked to the supervisor. I said, uh, I pulled up, wasn't nobody there. I said, well, what's going on here? Where is everybody at? He said, well, it's raining. I said, well, yeah, it's raining. What's that mean? It ain't going to hurt you. He said, we don't work in the rain. You don't build in the rain. You don't slodge through the mud. You don't don't mess with it in the rain. Do you hear me? If you wait till the storm comes, you've waited too long. You can only effectively do storm preparation in fair weather. So that means we've got to have the vision to be able to prepare ourselves spiritually when we don't need it. So that we can be prepared when the devil brings a storm against our life. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, it means this. You read your Word every day. Well, I don't feel unspiritual. I don't, I'm not going through nothing. I don't need to read my. take 15, 20 minutes to read my Bible. You're getting prepared for when the storm is going to come. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? I'll close with this. Some of you parents, and I'm just, let me, let me take heed to what I'm getting ready to tell you. As a, as a parent who missed it. We missed it. Amanda and I missed it. So I want you to learn from my mistake. Our son just was blessed to be a great athlete. And he was like his mama. His mama was All-State in basketball, All-State in volleyball, and All-State in softball. She was the athlete I was the athletic supporter. (laughs) So, uh, so, uh, so Tyler took back after his mom. And he was All-State in football, linebacker for the state of Tennessee. And then he was uh, regional, something in baseball. So he had football scholarships and baseball scholarships to go to college. That was the culmination of a, Years of work. Years of work. Because when he was about the beginning of middle school, some people recognized the boy had a tremendous athletic ability, so all these baseball, these traveling baseball teams from Nashville started calling our house. And they started baiting us and enticing, he needs to do this because all of the players that we've ever had go play college baseball, da-da-da-da-da. So we, we said, well, you know, we, we want to use his gift and we won't, don't want him to be left out. So we let him go. And then it started out with once a month. And then all of a sudden, it, he got at another level where they were traveling to different states every weekend. And at first I said, no, no, you're not going to miss church. You're not going to miss church. Just not gonna, I don't mind you doing it some, but you're not going to miss church every weekend to go play ball. But then, all these other guys were going to get ahead of him, and so I said, "Manda, you go with him. We'll let him go once. He can go by himself, and then you go with him." It's not good for the preacher to be gone playing ball every Sunday. It just doesn't fare well. <laughs> you know, preachers only work one day a week, and you don't want you need to show up that day. So, uh, so finally, it turned into two Sundays. And then it turned into three Sundays. And then he was gone every Sunday playing ball. And I was thinking, you know, I just want my son, I don't even miss out. He's having a good time. These seem like good people. And you know, it it got him a college baseball scholarship. He went and played baseball in college. The Detroit Tigers came and checked him out. I mean, he had a good run for a while. But you know something? Baseball came to an end. Baseball came to an end. I mean, he was good. And we never thought it would ever come to an end. But it came to an end. It came to an end. And there he's left. And because he had missed so much church and gotten out of habit of going to church, now all of a sudden we've got a twenty-three-year-old young man who had lost track of his spiritual foundation. And can I tell you something? It's taken the next—it took the next seven years to get him back on track. Thank God he's finally back on track. But it took seven years because we allowed something else to take place of his spiritual foundation. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. You need to understand. There's no, but everything must be done in moderation, and and in anything that comes again to our children to get them away from their spiritual foundation, to keep that spiritual foundation from growing and keep it from developing. Eventually, that will become an enemy to their soul. And it can be a good thing, but it can be an enemy to their soul. And after baseball was over, our son found himself without a spiritual foundation, and it's taken seven years to get that foundation back intact. I'll close with this. When Christ lives on the inside, it doesn't exempt us from the storms of life. Christ on the inside enables us to overcome the storms and difficulties of life. One more verse of Scripture, 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is He who overcomes the world? What world? This world where He said you're going to have tribulation, difficulty, hardship. Who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He who has the foundation. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, it's what your life is built on. You'll overcome when the storms of life come. So the storm's coming. Get prepared. Get yourself a storm shelter, spiritual storm shelter built up. What is that, Pastor? What's daily reading of the Word? It's prayer, daily prayer life. It's surrounding yourself with godly people who will speak into your life and hold you accountable. It's finding a place to serve and use your gifts and your talents for the glory of God. If you do those four things, I guarantee you, you will build yourself a storm shelter in life. It doesn't mean the storms are not coming, but it does mean you will have a good shelter to protect you when the storms do come. Make sure you build during the fair weather. Don't wait till the storm comes to need help. You've waited too long. Amen.